Good morning and welcome back to Intrepid Radio. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined today by a guy who I've I've long admired and have read some of his material. I'm looking forward to getting a chance to speak with him. He is a featured speaker at the upcoming Solo PR Summit. It's a conference here in town for independent professionals in PR and social media. It's going to be next week, February 20th and 21st here in Atlanta, Georgia. Still some limited tickets and sponsorship opportunities available, so if you're interested or need more information, go to soloprsummit.com for details. All right, got business out of the way. Say hello to Mark Schaefer. He is a speaker strategist, educator, and the author of two great books. One is The Tao of Twitter. More recent one is Return on Influence. Welcome to the show, Mark Schaefer. Thanks, Todd. I am I'm prepared to be intrepid today. Outstanding. Well, Mark, it's good to have you. I'm glad to chance to uh, to uh, visit with you. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. Uh, uh, before we get into the subject of your keynote, uh, take a few seconds and just tell us a little bit more about you and your background. Uh, I think my point of differentiation is that I'm old. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm older <laughs> than most uh, social media marketing bloggers out there. I've been in business about 30 years. And I mean, seriously, I think that is the way I kind of stand out because, you know, I've been around a long time. I've done a lot of things. I've had some amazing opportunities to work with uh, big brands all around the world, digital marketing uh, in, in many different ways. And uh, I can connect the dots. And I think that's what resonates with people in the content that I produce. All right. Well, the subject of your keynote at this summit will be the new rules of power and influence on the web. Should be a fascinating conversation. Mark, give us a 10,000-foot view on some of the things you're going to be talking about. Well, I, I think this is a vitally important subject because um, – and, and it's one that's really uh, – misunderstood uh, a lot this whole idea of influence social influence <clears throat> what it is and why it's important the the big reason why it's so vital to understand this is because the nature of influence and power has changed in our world it's changed dramatically and yet most businesses uh, most marketing people and PR professionals are still viewing their work through the offline lens, through our carbon-based forms. And so, I mean, let me just uh, give you an example. In the real world, it's certainly possible to accrue power and influence with a title, maybe a position on an organizational chart. Maybe there are regulations in place that create power for us or that we control scarce resources in some way. So these are the typical ways that people can be powerful in the real world. Now, think about that model on the Internet. There are no titles. There is no organizational chart. People hate regulations. And I challenge you to come up with a scarce resource on the Internet, because if you try to make it scarce, someone's going to turn around and set it free. And yet, undeniably, people are creating power and influence on the web. So we need to understand that. We need to understand these these new models, the new implications, uh, what it means to our businesses, what it means to our customers and what it means to us as individuals. And that's 
what I'm going to address um, at the conference in Atlanta. So help me understand, help the audience understand the context you are talking about when you say an organization, a business, mm-hmm. has power and influence. What does that really mean? Does that mean that, I mean, would you say Apple has power and influence? Just help you understand the context of why having influence matters. Well, because what we want to do ultimately in our businesses is to impact either an attitude or a behavior. So, I mean, let's say you're a business, obviously the ultimate behavior you want to impact is that you want to sell something to somebody. If you're a nonprofit, you may want to change someone's attitudes. If you're a hospital, you might need to fill hospital beds. So these are the ways we need to connect with people and influence people. And as I said, we have a paradigm in our heads about what that means and how that happens. And and most people, I would contend, don't understand how that is changing. So the entire first half of my new book that you mentioned, Return on Influence, examines these differences. It examines what is the same, what is different, and, and then some new ideas that aren't present in our real world at all that are showing up as legitimate ways to create power and influence uh, on the web that are available to, to anybody. So it, it's, a, it's a revolutionary time. Mark, the early part of my career was in politics. And mm-hmm. I would uh, every day I would stumble across a, a young individual who had ambitions to uh, to collect and wield political power. And and they thought, as you said earlier, the way to get that was a title. And so they would seek election office so they could get influence because they would have this, you know, their first name would be congressman or senator or representative. And, and I would say, no, that's not necessarily how you get power or influence. Uh, build, build, do the dirty grassroots work now of building a machine that can deliver votes then you get influence and 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 that but that's hard work and and i worry that organizations are going to say boy there's a way to to collect power without having to do the hard work i guess i'm rambling a bit to get to my questions i feel like a lot of people strive to get influence on the social web the wrong way is versus building it up slowly day by day by helping and serving people well, that's right, and I think that's a very good analogy around politics. I think it's the same, you know, whenever you're a politician, you depend on the emotional connections that people have in you. If you're a company or a brand, you depend on the emotional connection and the loyalty that you can engender in people. And here's the interesting thing, Todd, is that whether you're a politician or a company uh, a brand or a nonprofit, these connections of loyalty form the same way. They form the same way that they do with our friends. And that is through a consistent series of small interactions. Nobody decides on day one, I'm going to vote for this person because I like their name or I like their face or I like their slogan. It takes time. You have to get to know people. You have to get to know brands. And this is the precise role of social media in this mix. That's what social media is perfect at, at providing these little doses 
these little provocations of content that allow us to get to know people. And you're right, there are no shortcuts. Uh, it does take hard work uh, to, to change attitudes, to change behaviors. And uh, I think for whatever reason, uh, people look at uh, social media as a get-rich-quick kind of thing. And that just doesn't exist in life. I mean, there are some exceptions where people get lucky and go viral or something like that. But in general, uh, it does take patience. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. And as you said, a lot of hard work. You know, if you get 10 social media guys around a table and you toss up uh, uh, the word, all right, we have to discuss influence, obviously clout is going to be probably at the forefront of that conversation. And if you ask those 10 guys for their opinion on clout, you're going to get 10 different answers. What is your what is your take on clout, which is probably the most recognized influence scoring mechanism that exists on there? There's other, there's other yeah. uh, mediums, of course. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, you know, you're right that clout is certainly the most recognized name out there and with good reason. I mean, they've done a lot of good work. They've raised capital. Uh, they've created a lot of um, buzz with some of their partnerships. Uh, last week, they just announced a new partnership with ESPN. So, I mean, they're really getting out there. The unfortunate thing for me is the clout, the brand clout has become like Kleenex. And so if we need a facial tissue, we don't say we need a facial tissue uh, to blow our nose. We need a Kleenex. And clout has become kind of the flag bearer for this group of companies uh, that I characterize as social scoring companies. And uh, so the negative part of this is that there's a lot of negative emotion attached with clout. Uh, and with some good reason, because early on they, they made some stumbles, some PR problems. They had some PR problems. <clears throat> but I think if you only dwell in the negative emotion associated with cloud, you're going to overlook the bigger trend. And the bigger trend is this. Companies now are, are becoming more and more adept at analyzing this big data to look at three things. Number one, are you a person that can move content? Not just create content, but content that moves through a system. Now, that's called buzz. And as a former politician, you can certainly appreciate that. And increasingly, in today's world, the ability to move content and create buzz on the web is an important part of a lot of people's jobs. If you're in PR, marketing, uh, customer service, even HR, uh, this is a very important skill to have. So, so these, all these companies basically are doing the same things with their own little twist. They're looking at, is this a person that can move content? Then they look at, is this a person that, what is the topic? I mean, what are they talking about? And then number three, they're looking at, are they influencing the influencers? So that makes a difference too. So I think that this that it is an indicator of something. It, it's not an indicator of how influential you are necessarily at work or at school or at home, but it looks at one little sliver, one indicator. It's almost like a credit score for online influence. And that is, are you a person that can move content? 
And that seems really simple. It's a really simple idea, but it's insanely difficult to pull that off well. And that's what all these companies are chasing. The, the very nature of the, the cloud score, if you will, Mark, leads people to say, hmm, uh, maybe I can game this. Maybe I can influence the influence score here, and I, there's little tricks and things I can do to try to inflate my, my cloud score. I mean, that's it's the modern world we live in. If anybody thought that wasn't going to happen, that they're smoking smoking something. But yeah. but but what do you have to say? I mean, there's a lot of people. I find it funny. The people who have high cloud scores are the ones that are always complaining about it, which I find very interesting. But but. <laughs> But this, this, I mean, you mentioned number three, trying to influence the influencers. And so what that then does is that people sit there and pester, pester people such as yourself, trying to get, trying to bait you into in, engaging with them so that they can influence their score. And all. Does, does, does the scoring, does that, does that have a positive impact or does it have a negative impact, this, this notion of trying to game this thing? Well, I, I mean, you hinted at this, that any popular social media program is going to be gained. It's going to be spammed. It's going to be gained. Uh, in 2009, when Twitter was gaining traction, it almost uh, uh, imploded under the weight of spammers. I mean, uh, it was hard to even navigate Twitter because they were just getting uh, so much crap through their system. And your, your feeds were just completely overwhelmed. And they... They had to figure it out. They had to get on top of it. Same thing happened to Quora in 2011, early, I guess it was late 2010, early 2011. Quora became the hot new thing. SEO gamesters figured out we can game Quora to get backlinks for our customers. And Quora uh, almost went under. And they had to create countermeasures to, uh, to fight back. And cloud and these other systems are the same way and they are fighting back and they are getting it under control. And it is, it is possible to, to gain the system, uh, at least in the short term to create, you know, a little extra content to, you know, pester people, as you say. And it's relatively easy if you've got a cloud score of 10 to move it to a 20. But to, to move from a 50 to a 60 or a 60 to a 70 is extraordinarily difficult. And uh, you have to be creating excellent content that people want to spread, want to share, want to you know, click on a link. So and, and Cloud also in, in the uh, last summer created new measures when they detect that people are gaming the system. They dial it back. They punish these people. And so I think that combination of having uh, some robustness in the system where you really have to work uh, to achieve a score and then uh, having countermeasures on the other end, uh, you know, I think that's going to keep it under control. If they don't keep it under control, it's going to be useless. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about at the top of the show, Mark, that if you are willing to invest in the hard work, the day-to-day -day labor to, to 
serve and help people and put out good content that educates and helps and advances people's learning. And you do that day after day with without. It's almost like uh, the notion of uh, if if you want to if you want influence, then then help people because then you're gonna just the natural byproduct of that will be that your class score will increase, right? Well, that, you know that's a very that's a wise observation, Todd, and it's something that I emphasize in my talks, in my writing, that you just have to use common sense and. If you do good work and you surround yourself with people who care for you and you care about and you engage with them and you're helpful and kind, you know what? The cloud score is going to take care of itself. That's how you create influence in the real world, by connecting with people in an authentic way, in, as, as a friend, in a helpful way. And that's what people want today. They crave it more than ever. So if you just... Keep things in perspective and just use your head and, and uh, be a good person and do good work. Your, your influence is going to take care of itself. What do you say to the, I'm trying to think of some examples of how people are using cloud. I, I, and one comes to mind, and, and I would curious as to how you would cancel this, let's say it's a restaurant, okay? And mm-hmm. so they've got two, two uh, patrons that are complaining online. And... They, someone wise looks at looks at their class scores, and, and patron A has a class score of of twenty two, and patron B has a class score of sixty. Uh, and if I'm the manager of the restaurant, then I say, oh shoot, then I'm going to take good care of patron B because he has a lot more influence, and I'm going to ignore patron A. Is that good advice? Is that a good strategy? Well, you know, I, I, it it may or may not be a good strategy, but it's a practical strategy. You know, business is business, and it's, and it's not always fair. And, I mean, I used to be in a, a situation. I worked for a big uh, Fortune 100 company, and I had a customer that uh, we sold them $1.5 billion worth of product each year. Now, when we had a customer entertainment event, these people were at the front of the line. They got the best service. They got the best rooms. Uh, they got the, they they were treated like kings. They got the best of everything. And some of my other sales colleagues sometimes they would complain to me. They said, you know, this just isn't fair. Why are your customers getting you know all the best treatment? And I said, these people represent ten percent of our company's total revenue. Your customer. You know, maybe they'll be there someday, but they're not even an active buyer right now. So all customers are not created equal. And I'm sorry, but we're going to give these people more attention. And that's the way the world is. And undoubtedly, there's lots of information being baked into these CRM models where when someone calls on the phone or they complain on Twitter, uh, evidence comes up on a computer screen and it shows this person is a frequent flyer, they're a big spender, uh, they're influential on a topic of influence, uh, we need to push them at the head of the line. That may be icky, that may not be democratic, uh, it may be unpopular, but it's the way of the world. <laughs> and I guess I'm just practical and <laughs> say, look, business in business, we can't always operate in the way that we wish for. We have to operate in the way that it is. 
And we have to recognize these, these capabilities. We have to recognize these realities and just and deal with it. And the fact of the matter is someone's reputation does matter. Someone's ability to influence others on a mass scale that, I mean, if, if it's legitimate, that is going to matter, uh, perhaps, in how they're served. So what you're really saying, Mark, is things really haven't changed with human behavior and business strategy. No. It's there's just an algorithm. <laughs> there's, there's just an algorithm that tracks it now. That's exactly right. I mean, everybody seems to be surprised about these things, you know. And I've got news for you and everyone listening that Clout isn't the only company tracking these things. We're, they just tell us about it. Every single company that we engage with, uh, you know, whether it's Facebook or Google or your favorite online store, they're all tracking our behaviors. They're creating profiles on each of us and they're looking at our levels of influence. They're looking at our spending habits, our patterns and our ability to affect the buying patterns of others. You know, I'm sure they're creating a dollar value on our heads. And, you know, again, it, it, it might seem icky, you know, in, in a world where we want to think that, you know, everybody's equal, or everybody has a chance to, you know, make it. And in, in my heart, I think they do. But that's the way that, that uh, uh, if, there's a, if, if there's a buck to be made through these algorithms and making these judgments about people, it's, it's, it's going to happen, whether we know it or we don't. Well, if you don't think that as a uh, restaurant owner with the Google Glass, you're going to be able to eyeball your restaurant and see <laughs> see uh, real-time displays of people's glass scores, and uh, that's, that's definitely going to come. Mark, I'm a marketing strategist, so I get why this matters i'm if i'm running an organization i get why this matters help uh help put the influence and power in the context of why it matters to a pr professional let me give you one small example from uh, my book and i think to me the most interesting chapter of my book is uh toward the end where i have dozens and dozens of case studies where companies Nonprofits, uh, startups, agencies are using these tools in very creative ways, in very practical ways. And, uh, and these are the businesses that are, are getting it. And these are the businesses that are going to create competitive advantage because they're starting to see the world not through this our traditional paradigm of influence, but through what's really going on. Now, specifically for PR professionals, I mean, look, this is nothing new. We've always known that there are powerful word of mouth influencers out there that can help us uh, connect, to help us get our, our, our message out. The difference is that instead of taking months and months of work to identify these influencers in our community, we now have a shortcut. And it's not perfect but as i said neither is a credit score but it is a useful indicator of something so i think in the world of pr absolutely this is something that we need to uh know about we need to act on it we need to understand it deeply uh because we now have these these little shortcuts these helpful little algorithms to see who is creating buzz you know, in our communities on topics that are of interest to us, of topics that may be vital to our constituencies, vital to our 
customers. And I mean, especially PR pros, they've got to understand this and got to know, understand how this works for their for their businesses. Yeah. So like we were saying earlier, things aren't really changing. They're just employing new new technology, new tools. And that's right. Uh, that's right so fair to say that a PR professional's job is to help their clients with that three-point plan of yours, which is to help them understand how to move content and generate mm-hmm. some buzz. Be sure mm-hmm. they're talking about the right topic and that they're they're recognized as a, as a potential influencer in that in the right specific space. And then three, to get them connected to the right influencers. I mean, that's pretty much, the, isn't that their job? <laughs> that's right. And, and, and the, 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 the nuance is, is that the person who's been elected to office, the movie star, the sports celebrity, uh, the TV star, who we used to think of being the influencers, may not be the right people. They may not be the ones who are really creating the buzz. This is the era of the citizen influencer. Everybody can publish. Everybody can have a voice. And tapping into those those unknown people, the people who are out there really making things happen, that can certainly be a competitive advantage. Well, I advise some some tech startups, Mark, and when I when I recommend that they spend some time playing in the Google Plus sandbox, they say to me, why in the hell would I waste my time with that? And I say, well, because that's the easiest way to get connected to Scoble if he's important to you. And I, oh, <laughs> but I mean, that's Scoble. Scoble's one of the stars of my book, ironically, and and he's a great example of a citizen influencer. Here's a guy. He came from nowhere, came from nowhere, and built his reputation, his influence, his career completely, entirely by doing one thing creating content that moves. And it's a lesson for all of us. Well, let's make a note here. Uh, I think Scoble has more influence uh, than the president. So I mean, we can that, that tells you what's possible. Hey, Mark, I've taken up more of your time. Uh, we're going to see you next week in Atlanta. I'm really looking forward to meeting you face-to-face. Thanks for making some time. Before I let you go, how can people get in touch with you, learn about your work, and where can they get their hands on your books? Well, you, you can find my books really uh, anywhere uh, on the web. My first book, as you mentioned, was The Dial of Twitter. It's T-A-O. It's the best-selling book on Twitter in the world, and it's helped thousands and thousands of people understand Twitter. My latest book I'm going to be discussing is Return on Influence, and actually I've got a new book coming out uh, in April called Born to Blog, and it's kind of a Twitter, like a dial of Twitter style book, where it's a short human book about blogging that I think a lot of people will enjoy. You can find me on my website, businessesgrow.com. You can find all my connection information. I called it Businesses Grow because nobody could spell Schaefer. <laughs> <laughs> and my last name is Schnick, I understand. There you go. All right. Well, Mark Schaefer, speaker, strategist, educator, and author of The Dow of Twitter and Return and Influence. It was great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Okay. One last time, this uh, show is sponsored by the upcoming Solo PR Summit, a conference for independent professionals in PR and social media held here in Atlanta, February 20th and 21st. Tickets and sponsorship opportunities still available. Visit soloprsummit.com for details. That wraps this show. On behalf of my guest, Mark Schaefer, I am your host, Todd Schnick. We'll see you next time on Intrepid Radio.